been a while. I got to get back into. Uh, <laughs> it was know. good to see you, though. Y- yeah. I'm Scott Farber. He, of course, is former New York Giant, current NFL Players Association president of the Dallas Fort Worth chapter, Memphis living legend, world traveler, and my friend, Larry Mallory. Hey, Larry. Hey, hey, happy New Year, Scott. All right. So, again in London. <laughs> yeah. You're in London while our government is shut down. England has Brexit going on. That's right. You're golfing, having a few drinks, I'm sure. <laughs> Guinness. <laughs> What 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 did you find? What's going on over there with that Brexit? Wow, it's um, you know it, it's impacting so many things. I, when I flew in, I actually drove down to uh, North Devon, which is about four hours south, and there were lorries backed up, purposely preparing for Brexit type impact. In other words, you know, goods traveling back and forth that'll stop. There's just there's a whole bunch of tension over there right now as it relates to how things happen. And Theresa May did not get a positive vote, you right, know, in right. support of it. So, um, and, and then, you know, even when you expand the Brexit thing outside the UK to Northern Ireland and Ireland, it's really causing, you know, that's the whole conversation over there right now. Even at the golf course, we're talking about Brexit. Right, <laughs> so. right, right. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. <laughs> now, how was the golf? The golf was excellent. Um, you know, I'm a member of one of the old. Well, I was a member of one of the oldest golf course. Well, the oldest golf course. Back, in, back in, when you lived there. Back when I lived there. Okay. It's called Royal North Devon. Right. And the town it's located in is called Westward Ho. Uh-huh. And um, I, I enjoy going there because I get a chance to learn all of the information. You know, these are a lot of farmers that right. with a lot of land and sheep, and so I learn about animals and and politics, and right. then. Uh, drinking and so as we go from tea to breakfast to golf to Guinness, the conversations <laughs> get looser and looser and looser. So, but we had a wonderful time and they always treat me very well over there. Yeah, yeah. Well, now let me ask you. So you got breakfast going on out there, mm-hmm. and we got the government shutdown going on out here. Now, when you're in London, does anybody talk about what's going on in the United States? Well, you know, probably the the two first subjects, especially after Guinness, mm-hmm. is Theresa May and Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? There's so many. There's a lot of conversations about it. They're talking about Donald, right? And then we're talking about Theresa. Yeah, so, yeah. both of them are in a, a, a bit of a pickle, I right, would say, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> right now. You know, you know, you know what I always find fascinating, though. What's that? Anywhere else in the world. They know more about what's going on here than most people that live here know. Wow. I, I mean, you know, you know, how many world leaders can we actually name? But if you go to That's any foreign point. country, they know a lot about American politics. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I think it also highlights the importance of having a credible leader. Right. You know, right. and making right. sure because we've held such, such a... I think an elite and high level perspective by right. all other countries in the world. Hopefully, we can maintain that. Right, right. Hopefully, right. this this four year or two year or three year or whatever period right. this time span is. Hopefully, it will not take us completely out of being morally and uh, you know just being credible in the world's eyes. But, but don't you think every time there's an administration change, it's Back to this is the United States, and maybe they're not happy with what's going on now, and they know it's going to change. Or do you really think that uh, influence does have lasting effects? I think I think influence has effect, but I think that the most respected element of the United States is its processes. Yeah, it's yeah. the protocols. It's how we've developed our processes, how we put people in place, how consistent it's been, 
and how it's maintained a degree of of of, of civilianness, really, right, of, right, of credibility right. here. So I think our process is more important than the person. Right, right. And so hopefully the process will overshadow right. the present person. And see, you're ruining everything about what we think about athletes as being dumb jokes. Look, <laughs> look at how smart you are. Well, being around you this much, oh, you yeah. know, oh, you yeah. had a good influence on yeah, us. Yeah. All right, well, here's another thing that I have to ask you about. You know, you know my son Jordan. Yeah. And uh, he is on the edge of being a millennial. He's a millennial, but, you know, barely made it. And he says all the, in, uh, the uh, issues in this country that are bad, from climate change to pollution to even the divisiveness in the government in this country, is all the fault of the baby boomers. Mm. <clears throat> what, what do I say to him? I mean, he blames the baby boomers, and he gets loud and angry, and there's no discussion. I tried to explain that I think maybe every generation kind of looks at the mess and says, it's all the generations before fault. Mm -hmm. And he says, no, you guys, the baby boomers, have ruined everything and ruined it for the millennials, and they'll never clean up this mess. What, what, What do I tell him? Well... I'm going to try to talk my way into what you tell him. What I found interesting as you were explaining at first is that, uh, you know, a lot of times people punch down. Right. Now the millennials are punching up. Right, right, <laughs> you know right. What I mean? And so right. that's, a, that's interesting because uh, I think the <laughs> impact of our present conditions have a lot to do with that perspective of punching up. Yeah, yeah. Every gener- One thing about the United States to me, it seems as though we've always gotten better. Right, you know, right. Each, with each, and he claims we made it where they can't get exactly. better. Exactly. And that's, that's what's so interesting about that perspective. Is it, is, it, is it that the historical improvement process of America is being looked at by the millennials or is the impact of the present leadership right, right. having that type of impact on millennials because of how they've seen progress in the past and now how they're seeing whatever they view yeah. this as now. Well, and I also think part of it is they're, they're starting to get interested in things they were never interested in mm-hmm. growing up. And they're starting to worry about, gosh, I have to actually go to work mm-hmm. you know, after I'm out of school here, <laughs> even though I'd like them working while they're in school. Yeah. But, you know, uh, um, and, and that might be part of the process of growing up and everything. But but they're pretty adamant. I just remember, you know, uh, uh, when I was his age, I wasn't worried about blaming the previous generation. I guess mm. we couldn't because they got dubbed the greatest generation ever. Yeah. But but we but you're right. We always saw the progress because we always thought of the turn of the century as was the olden days, and I'm talking about from 1899 to 1900 as yeah. the turn of the century, you know. But it's um um, and then you know we slowly watched the progression of. Nobody's alive from the 1800s anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, ma- maybe there might be one somewhere. But we noticed every one of the generations from 1900 to 1910 to 10 to 20, the progress. Right. You know, and here came the airplane in 1903. And, you know, here came electricity. And, and now we used to marvel at everything. We used to marvel that they landed on the moon. Now it's uh, an app for everything. You want to go to the moon? Here's an app. You, you, you know. No, you hit the nail, and that's what and, I was and we don't. Nothing excites us anymore because it's expected. You know, it's expected to have all this technology, and and I'm not going to be shocked when you tell me the next great thing because, of course, we should have it. You and I, you and I, 
had maybe 10 or 12 impressions a day. Right, right. That's all right. They heard a beep. We're okay. going on. You and I had maybe eight to 10 impressions a day. We had a right. big uh, a, a television that only had four right. channels. Right, right. We went off at 1030. Went off at 1030. <laughs> yeah. Right. We couldn't see anybody on the phone. Right. If you didn't interact with someone, you, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Technology has so many impressions on these kids. Their right. expectations right. even are quicker. Now, if you join... The technological expectations and the fact that we as parents right, right. always want to give our children right. a better condition or more than what we had. Right. That combination, I think, is, is, has an impact on what you're saying. Well, you know, even on the advertising side, you know, take, for example, a 30-second uh, TV commercial or a minute radio spot. You know, we would have that minute to get the information That's across right. with the call to action the 30-second TV spot with the call to action at the end. Now they keep telling me, we have seven seconds, you, you know, for somebody to react before we lose them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we are in such an immediate world. And imagine what that doing, that's doing to yeah. our young people's brains. Well, right. And, and send Just... me an email, but don't go over two sentences or it won't be read. <laughs> that's right. You, you know, and, and all they do is text. Well, I think part of the problem, too, is that uh, that millennial generation has no interaction at all. Because how many times oh, do you powerful. go out to a restaurant and you see four kids sitting together and all four are on their phone? That's right. They are not talking to each other on any level. So the humanness, yeah. the, the inter human interaction is gone. Well, well, and I think they're very shy. People, people that are shy will never come out of it because they, they, they don't have to talk to anybody. You, you are so on point, Scott, with this. As I was, as I was coming over to today... There was a, a move. There's been people from the right and left, right. citizens that are coming together, right. talking to one another about their angles. There was a, a study done to show that at no time in America has there been more higher percentage of parents not wanting their children to marry cross politically. Right, 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 right. And so these sides, and I don't, I can't remember what city they were saying, but there's different cities where people are just on their own, coming together, talking about things right. because our leadership is, is not doing that. Right, right. And they're finding, on the radio they were saying, they were finding that there are more similarities in humans than it is differences. Right, right. Even if I believe in something different, that has had an impact right. on exposure from the past. Well, we've always kind of said that, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. But, but coming together, you know, and, and sitting and talking and publicizing it and promoting it, right, right. I think is something that can help all the things that you... The technological separation, the non-human interaction, right, right. the expectations of having more than we ever, you know, than the yeah. previous generation. Yeah. I think the only way that one of the ways that that can happen is for us to talk more yeah. and to yeah. understand each other yeah. more. Well, will we ever get to the point where you know, instead of talking about it, we will actually be people look at each other as one community? I mean, will we ever really get to that point, or is there always going to be? You know, you know, you know, well, you know yeah. uh, racism and bigotry. Will that always be here? Will it ever finally go away? That's a, to me. That's a hell of a question because with me living in so many different countries, right, and having a sincere appreciation for what America is about, right. To me, what you just described is what America is. Right, right, right. It's a melting pot. It's an opportunistic hope right. for people. That's what's. Potentially when, being taken away. We, but when will we? Okay, you follow me. Say, you know, because when when that when that when that advertising. Imagine right. this. Just what you're saying. At a time when there was not a whole bunch of technology, people looked at us as the 
hope for the world. Right, right. Now with all this technology, if we don't continually reinforce yeah. that, right. then we open up the doors for people to have different perspectives and for our leadership to be able to move right. in the direction right. that they're moving. That's what America was for me and for people in the places that I live. It's a place of if I can get here, my life changes I'll work, right. I'll contribute, right. I'll be a better citizen, right. on and on and I'm on. I'm not going to be harmed. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, and then the other thing, too, there's been, I haven't seen anything, really. I just saw it in passing somewhere, that China landed on the backside of the moon. And they're growing plants in, their, uh, in the spaceship or something. And I, and I might have that wrong a little bit, because I just saw a blurb and I didn't go past seven seconds of reading. And a mutuality. I saw something like that, some blurb relating to space, right? And foreign countries. I can't remember. China. It might have been China. Yeah. But what 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 uh, what affected me was that's not the information I'm getting at home. Right. It used to be a fact, a point, and you were in that business. It right, used to right. be that American news and right. American information right. was the standard. Right. Right. You know, and right. and it led to knowing about the rest of the world. Now. I'm going out and I'm getting news that I don't even get here anymore. So right. even the feed is being controlled. Right, right. You right. know what I mean? The yeah. information feed. And, and, that, and that's scary. Isn't it scary? Yeah. You know, it, uh, and I don't know with the technology where it could, where it will stop. And, you know, you know, I don't know what we could do because right now people can put out whatever they want right. and make it look real by Photoshopping. That's right. So it's really and, hard to and decipher. enemies can do the same. Well, thing. and you know they must be. <laughs> that's right. You know it's uh, anyway. Well, that that's a great conversation. Now, now, now there's one thing though that I want to ask that I always <laughs> think about, and you know, on the uh, uh, on the GBCTV.net, you know, I've interviewed I don't know how many thousand people over the years, and um, and captured family history and, and the and stories that we get are remarkable. Yeah. But the one thing that I find really interesting is people. Who have power because when I notice when they get older their power goes away and I always wondered and 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 uh, um, even and I don't even want to talk about this really on the show but but even Michael Cohen you know Donald Trump's attorney right. you know my wife is feeling sorry for him when she sees him he looks so pitiful now and yet you go well he really did some bad things so it's the fine line of feeling sorry and and he got caught but but i see him now his power is gone he's a different person now you know he can't be out there and pounding on you and telling you what he's going to do to you if you mm -hmm. don't do this or that you know mm -hmm. so maybe he's even a bad example but i always pictured in my head hitler here is the most heinous creature on earth probably ever and in power and what happened i just always imagine because you know i do a lot of speaking at senior yeah. homes and i imagine what if he had lived and was sitting in his 90s in a wheelchair in a senior home with a little blanket on his lap next to a little old jewish man maybe with a blanket on his lap Wow. What would the, what would that conversation have been? I mean, because Hitler would have had no power, no control anymore. He would have been in the same boat of the other ninety five year old, yeah. you know, limited in mobility and any. It's it just it's just a thing that's always been an interest to me because I look at guys in power and then when they get old and they have no power and young people don't even know who they are. Yeah, yeah. 
as you as you were com making that comparison, while well, as you were speaking, I, I was making a comparison to South Africa. Right. Um, I, I I was I was visualizing Hitler in a wheelchair. Right. And people that he's destroyed next to him. Right. 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 I remember when I was living in South Africa and apartheid was being adjusted. Right. And they actually had a session where the police came before people that they had killed and murdered and right. and they apologized. Now that was a complete shift in power. Right, too. right, right, so, right, right, right. You know what I mean? And it's it's maintained itself. But but that that degree of civility when you've not when you don't have power I think it's going to be reflective of what we see, right? When, when our four, when our leadership's four-year term is right, over, right. I think that they that 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 these three modules, right? Hitler and his impact on right. your culture, especially right. uh, South Africa and its impact on apartheid, right? And now the impact that our present leadership is attempting to have in terms of separating, right, right, us right, and right. not. Going what doing what we've traditionally done, which is come together, uh, embrace, support. Right. Even in the times when America has been promoted as the greatest place on earth, there's always been corners. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But there's never been separation. Right. At the end of the day, those corners, all four of the or them, end up being a United States citizen. Right, right, right. And so that that's where I think I think that I think that there would be some way that there was a bridge there. I don't think they would operate like Iran did when they cut off the, you know, right. have to bring the statues down. Right. And turn, I don't, that's not how we, that's not how the American influence has been developed. Right, right. After, after the Civil War and after all of that, after that, from, this, from that point on, we've sort of been, I think, on an uphill Climb. Well, and I also think, too, that people really hold on to those old memories, even if they don't talk about That's it. That's true. And, and I'll give you another example. I had a gentleman uh, who owns a company that did some writing for us for pre presentations for the GBCTV.net. And he is of Japanese descent. And I believe he was born in this country and probably mm -hmm. his parents, too. But we were listening Things that like, you know, we have people that knew Babe Ruth, you know, and, and these type of stories and World War II veterans, of course, and the stories that they have and whatnot. And he even put in there um, what it'd be interesting to talk to a Japanese person that lived in an internment camp in the United States during World War II. Would and, I'm, I, and I read that, you know, when I read, you know, his work that he presented to me later, you know, when he wasn't around and I'm going, Man, see, there's something that's really important to everybody that yeah. very few of us ever even would think about. Yeah. You, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just interesting. But I, since I have a kid, I always wondered about people in power. You know, and, and like yourself, a professional athlete, I always feel it's so hard for them to get off the stage. They retire too late. Yeah. Muhammad Ali, if he didn't fight Larry Holmes, would he have gotten Parkinson's disease? I, 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 and that's why I mean Larry Holmes just pummeled him. He did, and and maybe you know Ali didn't need that fight, and maybe that was the one that put his brain in damage over the hump. And and, and honestly, Scott, that's why we have to we have to get GB Generations Broadcast Network and Center out to as many people as possible because you always say, 
every family has a story. Oh, it, it's unbelievable. It is. Yeah. And, and yeah. honestly, I believe, I truly believe that the GBC right now can be, a, I think, a very integral part of a lot of people's lives because our young people, just like you said, they don't know how they got to where they are. Right. right. They don't know the history. And so imagine right. if everyone had a GBC app on their phone and right, they could go right. back and listen to their grandmother. Right. Or they, I, I think that what you're doing and what the, what the organization is doing is not only preserving history, but also strengthening the future of the youth that ha they have all these impressions, and I think all, if we just keep getting out there and keep ensuring right. that they understand why they got there, I think you're doing a great job. Look, look at thank you. You know, my mother uh, today's her birthday when we're taking oh, this. Really? She's 94 today. <laughs> well, happy birthday! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she, as you know, is suffering badly, recovering from a broken hip, and she has really good days and then really bad days, and it's been very stressful on my family, and my kids especially. And I'm so glad that I have her on tape. Because I don't want this to be what they remember of her. That's a great point. I see. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I have her a bunch of times. She kept telling me, I got to talk more. So, you know, we have her on the website 95 <laughs> times. And, um, you know, and she's told some fascinating family stories. And that's the thing that I want my kids to remember. You don't right. want them to remember the last couple of years of grandma being sick. You know what I mean? Yes, so I it's a, Anyway. So keep up the good work. We got to get as many people as we can and, to and, look at GBC. And, and <laughs> also, you know, we we, we uh, somebody talked me into it. We put up a Kickstarter okay. to help fund some of the videos we shoot. So if people just go to Kickstarter and look for uh, GBCTV.net, donate some money. Help us help, help us keep taping. And thank you. Yeah, and thank you very much. Anyway, um, uh, let's talk a little football today. Oh, okay, that's you, right. You know, we do let, know let, a little let, about let, sports, let, though. Yeah, let, let's do that. Um, you know, you were talking before we went on the air something very interesting about uh, you're noticing in all these playoff games we had a young quarterback, the up-and-coming star, and the aging quarterbacks. Yeah. And the aging quarterbacks still did pretty well. <laughs> they did, they did. You, you know, uh, um, what, what do you see going on there? Well, um, I see, you know, <laughs> you and I have talked a lot about the evolution of the NFL and, and how offenses are looking more, you know, like – NCAA colleges because right. of quarterback movements. And we talked a lot about how even, you know, in a lot of teams, the defensive coaches are a little older right, right. than the offensive coaches. Right. And so I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing offenses um, that require mobility. When you, when you start getting defensive linemen, 340, you know, 280 to 340 pounds right. running four fives, four six forties, and can run you down, uh, you can't just stay in the same place all the time. As the New York Giants quarterback does sometimes. Right, right. My whole team. So uh, what I'm seeing is a movement. I'm seeing um, a quarterback that you not only should you be able to pass, but now you got to be able to move around that pocket and keep things moving. A perfect example is Patrick Mahomes. Right, He's done right. a great job this year. Right, right. He, he, he's just an incredible talent. He is. All right, yeah. so uh, something a little bit off the track, Kyler Murray. You know, got a bunch of money to play baseball, mm -hmm. and now he's going to go into the NFL draft. I saw that, yeah. What is your thought on that? If, if you could play uh, in the NFL or play baseball, knowing baseball pays more money, baseball, your career is usually longer. Correct. And baseball, there's less damage to your body. I totally agree. What, but there's a love of football. And when you're 22 years old, you don't, think you're going to be 50. 
That's, that's a great point. You think you're going to be 22 the next 35 years. <laughs> that's a great point. And then you'll be 23. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what advice you as a former NFL player and very involved with uh, the concussion issue and uh, some of the struggles uh, that NFL players, former players might have, what advice would you give to Kyler? Well, um, I first like to, I would first start off by um, not really giving him advice, but analyzing what he's doing. I think that, you know, they say Homeland Security says in a capitalistic country, it's about capital. Right, right. He already has, I would think that based upon all the visibility that we now have on young people playing football versus baseball and all of that, I would think that his parents still has an uh, uh, impact on him. Right, right. And so I believe that this is his agent, right? Right. Putting him out there in the draft just to measure it. Just to have the comparison. Exactly. And therefore possibly stimulating more money on the baseball side. But, you know, he he was drafted very high in baseball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't you even really know how. To, I don't even if know you how. Really to, want me? Give me another hundred thousand. Give well, me another well, meal. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think it was fifteen million. Yes, right. you know. But I just don't know. Is a talented guy? Can you stand out and become that star in Major League Baseball like you can as a quarterback? Because he's got so much talent in football. Now he's a little small. Yeah. But boy, does he move and he flings that. You know, I watched him all year. He flings that ball 60 yards like it's nothing. That's true. You That's know. true. And his, and his gait, his pace is quick. So yeah. he, he's very oh, elusive. He, oh, he's extremely talented. Yeah. I have no doubt he'll succeed even with his short stature in the NFL. And even with, even with the perspective that three-year players now only really want to play three years right. and get out. But I still believe that um, ultimately baseball will, will pay more. Right, right. I think his career would be longer. Right. And I was was it Kyler Murray? And this is a question: Is was it Kyler Murray's father that was a baseball player? I don't know that. Um, no, I remember seeing something recently about somebody who's dad. I don't think it was Kyler's. Okay. But but I like what you just said. Is, is the plan for Kyler to play three years and then go to baseball? Because he'll be twenty five. That's true. That's true. That could, and I never thought about that one really. That's yeah. that's a good angle, but I believe that that the agent. I mean, not many agents get a chance to pit the major oh league baseball against. Yeah, yeah. was he a gold mine for the agent? <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, and then I was thinking too. He can't play both sports like uh, um, Bo Jackson did, or uh, um, uh, what's his face, the Dallas Cowboy, Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders did, because there's you know you know they would have to play baseball and then just play a part of a football season and the quarterback can't come in and play part of the football season. No. And, and, and that's so, that's an interesting statement because in our day and in the days that you, we could do that because you were left on your own during off season to prepare yourself for the next season. Right. Right. Now that they're playing, you know, a minimum of four ninety five, they're, they're in and out of the facilities all year. Right, right, right. You know, they 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 have expectations if they go right, home, they right. have different expectations of working out. And so it's a the team is keeping more of an eye on them throughout the year than they did on us. Yeah, they're not getting second jobs like they did when we were kids growing you up. You hit the nail on the head. I, I mean, you know, we, and, and we keep talking about GBC uh TV the uh the oral history version, but the um 
go to the featured shorts and go to professional athletes, I think it'll be in there. There's a guy who uh, uh, went and bought a suit when he was 13 years old, and the salesman was uh, Yogi Berra and Phil Rizzuto. <laughs> right, that's the right. shortstop and the catcher of the Yankees. You know, both in the Hall of Fame, but both needed a second job <laughs> that's right. to make ends meet. So it was a little bit different. So it was even worse before your time. As much that's as you true. complain that's about true. that pre-93 <laughs> stuff, these guys are complaining about the pre-1960 that's stuff. That's it, that's it. You know. All right, let's talk a, a little bit about the divisional rounds. We got the Colts and the Chiefs. Did it surprise you how easy that game seemed to be for the Colts after the, uh, I mean, for the Chiefs after the Colts had such a huge streak going? I mean, the Chiefs really controlled that game from the opening kickoff. Those Colts, um, they've been an up and down team, and it's hard to predict what they do because I never thought they beat the Cowboys 20 to nothing. Right, right. Remember. So, but they were on that streak of 9 and 1, though. Yeah, that's what, but they were on a streak. But there was nothing dominant about that streak. Right, you right, know, right. The only dominant thing about that, that streak cowboy was that cowboy game. Yeah, yeah. You beat, uh, you, you hold Ezekiel Elliott to no touchdowns. You right, right. score 20 on a defense. At the time, the Cowboys were like 8 and or 7 and 0 or something. Yeah, they were yeah, on a yeah. good run, too. Yeah. That is something about that coach team that, that to me goes up and down. Yeah. And um, so I, I think that. Um, so you weren't surprised. No, the, no. See, no. and I kept saying I thought the Chiefs would win, but I wouldn't, wouldn't have been surprised if the Colts had won. You know what I was surprised about, though? Um, I was surprised about the Chiefs because ever since Kareem, I think it's Kareem Hunt, right. was uh, you know let go on the team, right. I thought I felt, I felt I saw the team not as fast for some reason. It, right, like right. a little speed had left them. Right. So I was good, happy to see them sort of rebound to the Chiefs that we know. Right. You know, a lot of these games were not, you know, big, big score, 54-40, those right, type of right, games. Right. So I was kind of happy to see the Chiefs come back in their mode and, you know, start to, to score again. Like right. The, um, um, the Rams and Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys, when they were 3-5, and five, there were calls for uh, Garrett to be gone and even Dak to be gone, the quarterback. And then they went on the great run. Now they lost to the uh, uh, to the Rams. Does that? Where are we now with Garrett and Dak? Does it change anything that they made it that far, or you know, is uh, Jones going to finally make a switch at quarter? Uh, not at quarterback, but at coach. Uh, coach? coach. What what's going to be? Um. You know, upon getting back, I stopped by my local bar to get some input right, from right, my right, local right, cowboy right, fans. Right. right. One of the first things they said to me was that, "Do you know that Jason Garrett said that every coach will be coming back next year?" I said, "No, I didn't know that." <laughs> it seemed to me as though that that small part of their fan base right. would like to see Linehan go. Right. Right. Oh, there's a big part I think that would like to <laughs> exactly. You know. They feel that the offense. Um, you know, is is not as creative right, as some right. of the, the people, the competitors that they're seeing. So well, you have a lot of good pieces on the offense, and they're not scoring an awful lot. That's right. That's right. Um, I think that offensive line is not the same one that we had Dak, Dak's rookie right, year. Right. I think right. they were at their peak right. then, and hopefully they can sort of re- rebuild that in some way. But so, so how much can you actually blame the coach, the uh, offensive coordinator, or do you you got to put some blame on the athletes? And the players, where, where, where does it, I know the coach is the one that's going to get fired. You know, if, well, there, I think if a change af- has to be made and one or two players might flip out, but right. 
But where where does the blame really lie? I mean, how you know? Is it... I, I think at this point in the season, the blame lies with the coaches okay. because it lies with preparation. Okay. And, you know, you've gone 16 games in the season now. You've made the playoffs. Uh, you should, in fact, a perfect example is the statements that Sean McVay had, which was, you know, my I right, played right. for his grandfather. Right. His statement. I mean, Jerry Goff. Jerry Goff's right. statement was that they were pretty prepared for. The Cowboys' defense. They right. studied them. Right. They put in a system that right. they felt was effective against but, them. But every game, there's going to be a losing team. Right. And, but and the, so but the losing fight. team is not from the planning. It's from the individual competition. Right, right. And that's right. what we've talked about a lot. Right, right. Okay, you know so I mean? you're you're putting the blame squarely on the coaching. Right. And their planning and everything. So That's why Belichick can, can switch people and still do a good well, job. Well, that's right. And there was a big article about how Belichick, all the – great assistants he had and none of them have panned out to be great head <laughs> coaches <laughs> you know point. you know and so you know you wonder about that he, Belichick runs a machine and they all fit their parts but then you know and I always talked about too the Bears just lost their defensive quarter uh, coordinator Fangio okay. Okay. and he's going to be the head coach of Denver and, oh that's right I know, saw that that's right but you know the Bears kept him and I think paid him or close to head coaching money to keep him as a defensive coordinator. So I wonder, do, does everybody really just want to be a head coach, or can you have a good career and say, I'm going to be a defensive coordinator and make a ton of money and really be credited with being a great defensive coordinator? I think that the, the salary levels that the coaches have gone to now, either one of those are pretty good. So you can, you can be content without being the top guy exactly. and run your division. And sometimes what you're also seeing, and this is, you know, our conversations, yeah. you're seeing older head coaches right. come back to their position and be, if they're defensive coaches, right, right. it's better. So well, wait, Phillips, Phillips. Wait, yeah, that's, yeah. Right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. You know, you're seeing them come back right. because the defense requires a degree of history and stability right, and right. preparation. And the right. offense now is flamboyance and, yeah, yeah. and scoring, right. you know. And so you're not going to get an old Wade Phillips in there you know, with uh, trick plays like they have in Kansas City. Well, you know, you know, it's funny because you say scoring. The four teams that are remaining, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, are the top four scoring teams in the league. And, really? and yet, it seems like defense, when we get to the playoff times, defense win football games. Uh, and that's, that's, the, that's the historical analogy. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, All right, well, let, let's, since we are jumping, let's, let's backtrack just a minute here. The Patriots and Chargers. Mm -hmm. You talk about a well-oiled machine. I mean, uh, uh, the Chargers were not in that ball game, and boy, did we see Rivers was frustrated the whole game. And that, in fact, I was going to flip it and start to ask you questions. I didn't get a chance to see the okay. full game, but okay. but I was told that that uh, Rivers just it, it just didn't click. It, the Patriots got out to like a twenty to nothing first half or something. Well, Rivers didn't click because he was he had one second to throw the football. Oh, I mean, he had no time. We were rushing seven or eight, uh, six. I don't think the, the well, they were rushing. Yeah, no. I just think that they were destroying them at the line. Oh, really? Whatever they did, I mean, he just didn't have the time to throw the ball. That's a perfect. That's a perfect analogy of what we were just talking about. When your plan is right for right. a team, right? What it reveals is where there might be a talent discrepancy. Right. Right. So when you get your plan right, now. 
it comes down to each player. Right. And there might be a, Doing their, a right uh, tackle that had an injury and right. a left defensive end that's coming off of right, right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that's how you, you have to start at the top and break it down. Okay, where do I have my advantage? Right, right. And, and really on, on the, the, the uh, Patriots type of strategy, that's what they do. They, they start off team-wise, but they break it down to where, where is my individual right, advantage. Right, right. Yeah. No, no, it, it was just very interesting because, you know, I was watching Brady, and we talk about how great he is, but I'm going any quarterback – could have looked good on Brady's side the other day because he just stood there and waited. He had so much time. <laughs> he just stood there and waited. Okay, I'm going to take another bite of this sandwich. Okay, oh, he's open now. I'll throw it. I mean, it was uh, so it was a well-oiled machine. New Orleans and Philadelphia and a former Chicago Bear drops a pass. I think Philadelphia would have won that game if Alshon Jeffrey would have caught that pass with a minute or whatever left you know, around the 20-yard line when they're going in for the uh, winning score, instead of letting it go through his hands. And and the guy behind him intercepts it, didn't he? Yeah, about 10 Lattimore. yards behind him, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't believe that when it happened. And Alshon Jeffrey, you know, when he played for the Bears, and even when he played for Philadelphia in the Super Bowl, and we've seen, he makes the most unbelievable catches. Yes. You know, and people are giving me excuses. Well, he had broken ribs. No, he just missed one. And and you can't and fault the wrong one. and you can't fault him for that. He missed one. This guy catches footballs like nobody I've ever seen. Yeah, you know, he, yeah. you just throw it in the air and he's going to some da- come down with it. So I think New Orleans really escaped. And boy, would the legend of uh, Nick Foles have grown. Yeah. So what do you do? Who who's your quarterback next year? Foles or uh, uh, Carson Wentz? Wentz, yeah, I couldn't even uh, I couldn't even think of his name anymore. I think uh, I think one of the strengths of the Philadelphia Eagles is that they have a, a Super Bowl winning backup quarterback. Yeah, except he wants to be a starter now. No, no, he doesn't. I thought I heard that he wants to run the team. No, no, the Carson Wentz is the future of the Eagles. They've already well, absolutely. They've already you know invested yeah. in him. Yeah, um, Nick Foles yeah. is comfortable. He's he. I, I believe. Even in the locker room, Nick Foles supports Carson Wentz. Yeah, I yeah. think that that's. I think this team is the strength of the NFC. I mean, so the I NFC know, I know right. that's always been the case, but is that still the case? I, I think it still is the case, okay. and especially because he's making Carson Wentz almost m- kind of money. Right, he doesn't right. have to play but four games a year. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> so, it, it if he if he breaches that relationship that tears the locker room yeah, up yeah to me the locker room is solid with the eagles and the reason they're a good team is because they they're playing 22 offensive players and 22 defensive players right it's not a first or second team right right they won the super bowl yeah they have money in the bank right right now, right, right and right. they got their so they're not worried about that it, their thing is keeping the well. They the, just have to pay full some money. That's it. Some starter money, and they can do that because yeah, you yeah, know they yeah, have. The, yeah. But all in all, that's the strongest team, Scott. When yeah. you have you don't have uh, uh, you have competition, but not aggressive or, or negative leadership. Right, right. And both Nick and Carson, I think that they're perfect they for that it. team. Yeah. And I and I always said that the uh, best job in the world is a backup quarterback. Yeah. You make a lot of money. <laughs> and don't have to do as much. And you don't have to work quite as hard as the other guys. <laughs> that's right. So that's, it seems like a good job. All right, before they throw out of here, the conference finals. 
you know, we got the top four scoring teams, as we mentioned. Defense wins games, it seems like, in the history of the playoffs. And you got Kansas City hosting the Patriots. It's going to be like 15 degrees outside. You know, um, does the cold weather affect football playing? Um, I mean, you played in the cold weather. You played in snow. You played in rain. You played in the heat. True. What if you had your druthers? Did it matter? Um, it mattered. It did matter if we knew that we were playing like a, cold, a warm weather team, because you know we we do certain things like the linemen would come out with no shit. Right, right, right. You know, yeah, yeah. Let's see, because yeah. a lot, you know, even in the so couple, it was a head game. It was a head game, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. So, so uh, I think that you know when you get to this point, and the checks are great at this point. Right, you know, right The next right, check is right. a big Super Bowl check, so you're right. getting not only. Not only your playoff check, but your regular season check too. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good time. Yeah, that's a really good time. So I don't think that the weather is going to matter honestly yeah, at all. Yeah. And and for these two teams, both of them are accustomed to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, you know, it, it's funny because um, I, you know, when I played ball, I never wore a glove playing football. You know, yeah. quarterbacking, I never wore gloves. Catching a football, I never wore gloves. But uh, I was playing catch with my son not too long ago. And he said to me, of course, Dad, this is the worst I've ever seen you throw a football. Your age is showing. So, okay, so we got over that. So I went out the next day and showed him I could still throw the ball. Not as good, but I did better than the first time. Okay, but then I realized I put on just a glove. And let me tell you something. It was so easy to catch that ball with a glove on. There was no pain from the cold. I mean, it was amazing the difference. Yeah, it is a difference. So... Is that helping the players now with the wearing of the gloves compared to they now? I remember Fred Bolitnikoff would just have that stick them right. all over himself and go like stick his arm up in the air and the ball would stick to it. Right. Do the gloves really help the players? It really helped me in the front yard. And and you and it really helps the players. It does. Honestly. Yeah, if you can get your hand on the ball, and you know, you I don't know if it's technology or not, but you also seeing a lot more one hand catches. Well, and I'm thinking too in the cold weather, yeah. getting your hand on the ball coming at you, zipping at you at 60 miles an hour in the cold, it's hard to catch it. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. and it don't let it be wet too. Right, right. So that glove takes all of that, all of those things away. I think. All right, Kansas City and uh, the Patriots. I got Kansas City. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Andy Reid. Yeah. But he's got a quarterback. He has a good quarterback. I, I, I like him. Unfortunately, I think he's coming along at the wrong time where where Brady and Breeze are doing yeah, yeah. Good well, too. You know, but I like him, and I, I like, I'm like. i going with Kansas City. I'm going to tell Belichick you said that. <laughs> Please don't tell him. Yeah, yeah. He's going to go back into his memory bank, and he's going to tell me everything about you. That's right. That's you know, okay. All right, we got New Orleans, um, and they are hosting the Rams. That's an interesting game too. Uh, that is an interesting game, and I, I, I've always wanted. I wanted the Saints to get to the Super Bowl, but when I look at the defense, boy, are you blowing off both of your uh, your ties in the I NFL? Know, but, but no, I'm sides. coming back to I'm coming oh. back to the Rams because okay, I think okay. the defense. I know they can score. I like the McVeighs, but you know you got Aaron Donald, right. you got Kansu. Yeah, um, I think that I think their defense kind of operates a little better than the Saints defense. And I believe they might win. Well, I'm going with you on both of those same picks, really? Kansas City and the Rams. But I'm in high cotton. But yeah, that's right. <laughs> but neither one of us would be surprised if the other team won. That's true. That's you, true. you know, uh, it'll be an entertaining. Yeah. Weekend. All right, man. Well, we'll get together after the games. I look forward to doing. it. All right. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye bye everybody. Bye bye everybody. Bye bye everybody. Bye bye everybody.